0: we do a bunch of commercials in the beginning in the middle of these episodes um There's two things here. One, Patreon.com, Working Dog Radio. We put the episodes up without commercials. How about that? But here's the thing, guys. I know you people. I know what you're doing. You're skimming forward and you're fast-forwarding through the commercials. But I'm telling you, you want to listen to these and you want to listen to the ones in the middle of the episode because we put new discount codes. We put new job opportunities, new training opportunities, new gear, new equipment, new sponsors, all kinds of new cool stuff in there. You don't want to skip it because you don't want to miss it. Especially the discount codes so make sure you guys are paying attention and having said that we're going to kick it off right now with one of my favorites All right uh rayallen.com we've had a great relationship with ray allen for a long time they want you to know that they've heard you loud and clear and they have revamped their customer service faster response times easier to get a hold of them faster shipping faster order f- uh, fulfillment um any kind of issues they had, they ironed it out, RayAllen.com, for everything dog-related, not just working dogs. Working dog, pet, anything you need. I just bought about 300 bucks worth of stuff the other day, mixture of pets and police dogs in one click. I loved it. RayAllen.com.
1: Uh, We got hits coming up. Um, It's going to be in August this year. It's going to be at the McCormick Place in Chicago. Um, It moves around. So, you know, one of the things they're really good about is it's not in the same location every year. So every four years, it's probably in a different area or it's in a different area of the country. And they make it super obvious about um, rotating all of their uh, instructors. So if you come last time they were, say, in Dallas, like four years ago, when they go back to that area, you're not going to see the same people over and over again. When we were there last year, there was like 1,200 people, and they're talking about having thirteen to 1,500, and we've got 100 vendors in the vendor hall this year. They're getting ready to have a price increase, and I know you people, and I mean you people as handlers, you guys wait for the last fucking second to do everything, and I know it's not your money, but the hotel fills up quick, then you got to walk everywhere in Chicago, which is probably going to suck because it's going to be super hot. So. Get your tickets booked. It's going to be August 13th through the 16th this year at McCormick Place in Chicago. Go to hitsk9, letter K, number 9, dot net. Get signed up. Look at the class schedule. Plan on where you're going to go. And, uh, yeah, submit all of your forms to all of your admins so you can get it paid for. And uh, you'll see us there. We're going to be doing live recordings. And come by the booth, get a beer, and uh, have a challenge coin. we got some custom challenge coins we're making, so... Um, we're not so. we're not giving them beer though Ted. They have to no, no 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 yeah good. no yeah that's yeah get a beer and bring it
0: with you. If that was if that was not obvious, I guess that that's my bad. All right, so uh, one of the booths that's also going to be it hits probably right across from us. If uh, if it's anything like last year's, our friends at Dogtra. Um, I love Dogtra dogtra.com, dot com. Great company. Um, you guys have heard of us. So you know they're especially you guys you uh, policemen, law enforcement handlers. They're. Um, remote is so set up for you guys to have on your gear. There's tons of different uh, Molly gear you can get for Dogtra uh, remotes. The 1900S is the best collar I have used. I love that thing. Their ball popper is all revamped. Um, They figured out Anything with a battery should be rechargeable. The ball popper is rechargeable. It's kicking ass. Dogtread.com. They have a discount code, WDR10,
1: for 10% off of any order over $200. Dogtread.com. So this next one is somebody that we it's new to the podcast. or uh, They just signed up. So I just mentioned challenge coins. Now, everybody knows that everybody loves dogs and everybody listening, whether you're search and rescue, whether you're FEMA, whether you're, uh, you know, sheriff's office, whatever. Everybody and the public love seeing dogs. And the one thing that I always see is people handing out challenge coins or handing out um, the little like playing cards with the dog's information and all that stuff on it. So one of the new sponsors for the podcast is Combat Bet, which is spelled B-E-T at the end, like you're betting. Uh, They have the little challenge coins that are shaped like poker chips. And ironically enough, they're pretty inexpensive for um, like an apartment to have for a canine unit. You can have them on their little, you can have the dog's picture on one side, you can have the sheriff's office shield on the other side, whatever you want to do. You can even print on the collar of it and they do two different versions they got the the ceramic poker chip ones and then they've also do a couple of metal ones um so depending on how much you want to spend or whatever else You can get a variety of different things And they can print pictures on So you can get the picture of the dog and the handler on there Hand them out to kids when you go do your school demos And you guys look like heroes Which is freaking awesome So they're doing a discount code for everybody So if you go to combatbet.com And you'll get a discount of 10% off of your total order price Which isn't a whole lot to begin with So it's Working Dog Radio spelled out Head over there, hit them up Tell them we sent you Use the discount code and hand out coins to kids. That's all you got to do.
0: That's it. Yeah, I think our first sponsor that we ever got when we got on the podcast is Arno at ALM. Um, I love ALM. The dude dude has been so good to us, so good to everybody. Um, I'm telling you right now, man. You want tugs, and I mean, we go through tugs a lot. Yeah, I give them out to all the handlers when they come through. And I don't use anyone else but Arno at ALM. Uh, his tugs are the best, period. They hold up. They're great. The dogs love them. Everything's great. And I've, I've done a ton of social media stuff about his hidden sleeve. His hidden sleeve is so legit. It is yeah. so good. It's the easiest, the easiest one to put on and take off. It is so functional like I use it you know under stuff as a hidden sleeve, but I use it as a just as a regular sleeve sometimes um, it you do feel it it does suck I'm not gonna lie to you <laughs> but it is a perfect sleeve for what we like to do he has a discount code WD radio for 10 percent off almk 9 equipmentcom hit him up
1: So, speaking of traveling, October 30th through November 2nd of this year, our friends down at Southern Coast Canine, New Smyrna Beach, are going to be hosting the Hard Dog Fast Dog Competition. It's the Police Motorcycle and Canine Skills Challenge, hosted by our friends at Southern Coast, Peggy and Bill and... Danny, so uh, I'm actually going to be down there announcing the uh, Hard Dog Fast Dog competition. Now it's limited to the first 30 canine teams uh, and the first 30 detection teams, and they're also doing a competition the fourth through the seventh, what they do every year, which is a huge odor uh, seminar and detection seminar. And, competition. and at the end of the three days, you actually certify within NDDA, but there's going to be 125 teams in attendance, so it should be a good time. Be sure to head over to Southern Coast Canine, hit them up, look at it, and come down and see me, and I'm sure I'll be heckling whoever's going to be decoying because you, you're you going to get smashed. I don't know what to tell you. Get, be on your A-game.
0: Yeah. You guys remember our episode with Cameron Ford? Uh, Cameron Ford's worked all over the United States. Um He's done all time, ty- all kinds of multi-purpose canine training. Detection is his thing. It is what he does the most as. What his scientific approach yep. uh, has proven like very effective. The things he does. Well, Cameron moved to Las Vegas to join the folks over at Silver State Canine. Um, they offer a ton of stuff. They have a class coming up. You got to get on this quick, though, guys. Uh, July 29th to August 9th. 29th to August 9th. It's a um, it's going to be a handler and trainer's course. you got to get on it. And they're going to rerun it September 9th through the 20th. This is not a cakewalk, but I'm telling you, you will learn a scientific method for this. Um, it's it's good stuff, man. Check them out, they, um Just so, say you can't go to Vegas, can't make it to Vegas. Maybe you don't have enough comp time. You've got, you don't have enough vacation time. They won't let you travel. You get a hold of uh, the folks at Silver State, and they will send Cameron to you. And they'll do a 40-hour detection dog seminar for you. You can get your, all your unit, get all your training group. He'll come to you. SilverStateK9.com. Check them out.
1: All right. We are back. Working Dog Radio broadcasting the bite. I am Ted Summers. With me, as always, is Eric Stambro. Eric, where, uh, where are we? Uh, where it hits in Chicago. <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry. I'm dude. All over. So
0: I'm, I'm yeah. dragging a little bit. Like, I think I fell asleep at like four. a.m. Uh, but I was up at seven because I'm an adult, and that's what we do. You make <laughs> right? the decision to get drunk tonight before you get your ass up and get to class. <laughs> did you work out? Uh, I did not do that. Then count them. Yeah. So. Um, yeah we're at Chicago <laughs> McCormick Place. This is a massive building. We talked about it in the last episode. Um, yeah. seems pretty new. I think it's a pretty, pretty swanky place, but uh, big enough that, like JJ said in the last episode, you could drive a deuce and a half
1: between the... the vendor booths you know there's yeah, so much dude. room down there we uh lots of vendors down there too i think we got what 50 right now i don't know there's All a lot there's a It's a lot it's I, haven't good. Been, I haven't been to the other side yet some good stuff man this. um yeah so 2019 hits uh chicago next year 2020 is going to be in arizona uh, by the time you hear this uh the kids from hits should have it up um don't be the guy that wastes the last fucking minute to sign up so go uh i think it's gonna be in scottsdale Scott Steele or Phoenix Alta. I think it's Scott Steele. Yeah, we'll put it uh, out. We should put it in the show notes. I don't remember. Anyway, today, speaking of West Coast, uh, we have somebody from the West Coast, uh, Albuquerque uh, area, uh, Kevin Sheldahl, How are you? Good. Excellent. Excellent. So why don't you give us a little bit of a rundown on your background um, and that you've been handling a dog longer than I've been alive.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ted likes to say, guys... Uh, got the dog, first dog off the ark. That's one of his. Yeah, things like my that. guys yeah. tell me I
2: handle a velociraptor. The first time. <laughs> that be, that yeah. counts. Yeah. yeah, so that'll that work. So uh, I started dealing with working dogs in about uh, 1982. Um, got interested in some dog sports. Uh, was had a local protection dog trainer who was also doing dog sports as well as uh, um, a small local canine program, and I got involved in it, in it then, um, got real interested in it, pretty much as a as a, as a hobby while I was doing other things. And then uh, I decided I was going to take a big change in, in careers. I was in I was a hospital administrator at the time and decided I was going to abandon that. Hmm. And in 1988, I went and worked for a gentleman by the name of Tom Brenneman, uh, and I was there for, I don't know, eight or ten months, training with him. I decided that I did not like Kansas well enough to stay there. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I went back to New Mexico, had no plans to do professional dog training um, until my brother-in-law, who was teaching a uh, sheriff's deputy how to fly, sheriff's deputy's job was uh, interdiction with a, with a uh, Labrador that couldn't find his own tail. <laughs> and so uh, my brother-in-law volunteered me to help him. And so I ended up helping him out. Uh, he convinced me to become a reserve deputy. I became a reserve, became, uh, eventually became state certified. During that period of time, I helped uh, them to establish a patrol dog program, as well as expand their detection dog program. And uh, then I applied to their job and ended up uh, working for them for an uh, entire career. I retired four years ago after uh, chauffeuring a dog around the county for 22 years. And uh, then uh, during that whole period of time, I still had a kind of a part-time business doing uh, doing classes, uh, teaching seminars, uh, training dogs. Awesome. And as soon as I retired, I didn't have to say no as often. And now I've sort of <laughs> failed at the retirement thing. Yeah. And, how's uh, that it, How's that work, Eric? Yeah, I get it. it happens. <laughs> <It's> been there. <laughs> and so that's kind of my short story right there. Awesome. In
1: 1982, what dog sports were you guys messing with? Um, Schutzen. This In yeah. fact, you just started a new club out in there as, or, uh, New Mexico with uh, American Schutzen. Yeah, and I'm also uh, one of their judges for the organization. Awesome. Yeah, that's a. Uh, I know Bradshaw's been working on that for
2: fucking ever. It seems like is <laughs> so. it getting steam? Is that is it starting to roll? I think they've had one trial. Yeah. Um, think there's uh, another one scheduled for October. That's which I'll judge, um, and then. My club is planning on scheduling one sometime either just before the holidays or just after the holidays. Um, and do we have to? There's only five judges, so we gotta right, make yeah. sure that they're available. The so, best part about
0: that is Jerry is they won't be changing the name. It's not gonna be. It's gonna be American Schutzen or whatever it is. Wow. It's not gonna be American IPA then American this and no, an IPO right. and American this. No. It's gonna.
2: So no FCI rules either, right? Well, and that's been sort of sort of. Uh, uh, I, that, the FCI rules are why this thing exists right yeah. Um, well uh, yeah you know it's people are a little bit tired of um, you can say it the continually <laughs> changing rules that is watering down the sport yeah Yeah. and that's uh,
1: I, I've heard it for years I mean forever I've heard that Schutzen has just gone from or IPR whatever it's called now has continually been just pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and
2: to where now that doesn't mean anything. Well, and, one of the problems that we have is that over in Europe, we have countries where you can't strike a dog with it, even with a padded stick. Right. Um, that uh, there's some animal rights stuff going on, green party crap. Uh, and we have some of that here, but not nearly to the extent that they're dealing with over there. And so the FCI rules are made by a committee and the committee's trying to pander to everybody and, uh, and not only are they trying to pander to the public, they're trying to pander to the dog enthusiasts. And so when you put that all together, you know, you, you sort of get a mess. Yeah. And that we've we've gone from Schutzen, VPG. Um, IPO has always existed. Right. And uh, but the rules have changed along along the way. And now we're we went to everyone went to IPO. That was the whole plan is this long right. drawn out thing about IPO. And now we're in IGP, and other people are starting to abandon and jump ship. And uh, so now we have American in here in this country. We've got PSA. We've got Mondio Ring. um, And a half a dozen other little organizations that have cropped up. Yeah. You mess around with that, like Mondio at all, or or PSA? Well, back in the mid-'80s, when French Ring was first being introduced here in the United States, a gentleman by the name of Stuart Hilliard, uh, who's now in charge of standards for Lackland uh, was brought in went to went to Europe brought back a bunch of Frenchmen and we did a bunch of French ring stuff um, before it was recognized here uh, back in the mid 80s and so uh, I kind of um, I used to go up and train with Stewart all the time and and uh, sort of went from Schutzen to tried to do French ring for a while the problem was is that you know the nearest trial was like. New Hampshire. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> so that kind of made it tough for me to do anything. I trained it. I didn't do it. Uh, I didn't trial anything. I just trained a lot of it, uh, which was good. Got a look, got some knowledge about the suit work that way. And uh, at that point in time, we were just bringing suits in. I mean, the only thing that existed before that was Michelin Man suits. Yeah. Right. And then all of a sudden, uh, Jean Michel Moreau showed up, and he had this really cool suit, and I was like, Jean Michel, I got to have one. Yeah, you know, so he mad me birth. for one, went back to France and sent me one. Yeah. And uh, that was the beginning. That was really where suits started to come around, was out of the ring movement, the French ring movement. Yeah. No, I like it.
0: how you put that. We brought a bunch of Frenchmen back. Like, <laughs> <laughs> how much is shipping
1: on a Frenchman? <laughs> it's cheaper than it is for a fucking green dog now. Yeah, tell you, <laughs> tell you Yeah. Kid, yeah. Man. Airplane like, ticket's cheaper. Yeah, no shit. That's that two-way. Green dog. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> we can send you back, buddy. Don't worry about it. Yeah, so um, when you're at, so uh, at the sheriff's office, um, you had a fairly long career. How many dogs did you work
2: on Five. the road? Five. Five dogs. Holy shit. Yeah, That's yeah. a lot of dogs. I, and I actually could call out six. I had one that I shit-canned after about 10 months. Ah, he, yeah. was a, he was kind of a failure. And uh, so I, I don't count him. Awesome. Were you a shepherd guy all
0: always, or did you well, mix it up? Yeah,
2: I'm, yeah. I, the one I shit can was actually a big Dutch Shepherd, uh, but uh, yeah, I handled German Shepherds, yeah. uh, and it, just because I'm kind of a, I don't think Shepherds are better than another breed, but I like German Shepherds. I still have German Shepherds. I'm still I've got an 18 month old dog I'm training in uh, in IPO, and uh, probably my next dog will be a German Shepherd. Mm-hmm. So. They are getting definitely harder to find. We had, although we had a run
1: of good ones lately through the kennel. They're there. Yeah. Just, you gotta turn over rocks
0: and, <laughs> or, or have a good breeding program that you trust. You know, yeah. look, we talk about that a lot, about how it would be nice to be able to get everything here.
2: Well, if, as one of these days the airlines are just gonna say, well, no, we're not shipping dogs yeah. and we're gonna have to get things here. That's either that or we're gonna have to get them out of Mexico and Central America. Uh, That's all there is to it. Yeah,
0: you can you can go to Mexico and get it. I ain't, but
1: you can go to Mexico and get them. I'm not going down there. (laughs) No, pass. So on the uh, on the police side, um, so since 1982, that's a long time. What uh, what's changed? I mean, we're in 2019. Um, What has
2: changed besides a lot? (laughs) Well, the biggest thing that's happened is uh, we have a lot more technology about deploying dogs. That it, it was you know in 1982. Tactical teams didn't use dogs. Absolutely no. Um, And most of the work that dog handlers did in the early 80s, in the mid 80s through the 90s, early 90s, a lot of it was by themselves. They tracked by themselves, they hunted for people by themselves, they did building search by themselves. And we have really abandoned that approach uh, almost entirely. And so uh, the idea, and this sort of came out when people like Don Yarnell started doing officer safety and survival with uh, police service dogs in the 86, 87, 88, 89, in that area, they were doing a a lot of these things around the country. And the next thing that happened is everybody was now doing officer safety and survival canine uh, classes. And uh, so that sort of created some more awareness about the proper ways to, to do things uh and at that point it was just oh just go deploy your dog and see what happens (laughs) i mean it really was that was what it was that's the way things got done and uh that's really entirely changed excellent that so (laughs) yeah
0: i I like to i was just thinking about this because i've asked other guys this or in other lady handlers that have handled a lot of dogs um so of the five dogs i'm sure you remember them all pretty in depth in what would you, of, of each one of those dogs, what would you take to make the perfect dog? Well, like first dog, what did he do so much better than the rest That's what you would take out of that dog. And then this, even if it's a size thing or a speed thing out of a dog, and if you're gonna make a dog. So my
2: first dog was a true DDR dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, big dog named Dolph. And he'd actually worked for, uh, initially, for a West Coast agency. And a friend of mine called me and said, this dog's available, you should take him. And at that point in time i was like yeah i i need to get a dog like right now yeah and you got one that's had umpteen apprehensions already Yes, yeah, send it <laughs> and so uh i got this big black and red dog with a head like a pumpkin and uh on that dog his grips kind of a dichotomy his grips on suits were horrible absolutely horrible but when he bit bad guys, all you saw was fat coming out the back of his uh, molars. Wow! Oh, uh, great big <laughs> monster grips, and his desire to hunt for bad guys was over the top. Yeah. It's like if he wasn't if if he wasn't put in a position, he was hunting. Mm. And so that combination of a of big grip and great hunt um, th- for that dog, I'd take any day. The next dog was uh, was a big Dutch Shepherd. And, uh, I wouldn't take anything from him, no, uh, no he was, he was actually an over the top dog, you couldn't make him out. Um, everything was a, was a physical fight. Uh, he was about a hundred pounds and, uh, I just fought him every day. That gets old. Yeah. yeah. And that's, <laughs> uh, everybody
1: thinks they want one of those until they
2: get one. Yeah. I, I <laughs> thought I did. And this, this dog had an odd odd behavior, he'd been probably nuked over livestock. And so I, I worked in an area where that overlaps a lot of rural stuff and so it's not uncommon for us to be working, in a clearing fields and yards and there'd be goats and horses and things. If there was livestock around, he pretended to hunt. Oh, really? He'd just run. He'd just wow. Run. And he'd walk right on top of bad guys. If there was no livestock around, he was great. And wow. So he got moved off into the uh, cement jungle on the west coast and did fine. Where yeah. there's no livestock. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so. Bobcats, that's it. Yeah. And so I wouldn't take anything from him. Uh, you know, people would think, wow, well, you'd want to breed that dog. And I'm like, I don't want to breed a dog that doesn't have the genetics to let go. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I moved on to another dog um, who, what I would take is his tracking ability. He was the sort of dog that naturally would do hard surface footstep to footstep tracking. Nothing I did special. Yeah. He just did it. And uh, that dog's name was Tell. Uh, and that was what i take. What I wouldn't take from him is the fact that he bit through my arm once.
1: Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh,
2: God. It kind of hurt. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Oh, God. No, I've got You're like yeah. looking through your arm to the other side, you fucker. Yep. Yeah, well, I'd say so he was one of the dogs where I had a slider in my sedan, driving a sedan at that point in time. And he reached through and me come and pet me, dude. Come and pet me. <laughs> and uh, so I'd open the slider, and it was like that uh, candy commercial one, two, mm. close the slider. <laughs> how, how many licks does it take to get right, through your yeah. forearm? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that, that one's an interesting, but I, his ability to track on hard surface was quite amazing and on, on stuff you'd. So of course I'm in the southwest and it can get hot and shitty mm. and uh, tracks can be almost impossible and yet he seemed to just do them. Uh, so just dog with natural talent to do that and we found some quite a few bad guys um, with that technique. Uh, he ended up getting hit by a truck, Oh, that sucks. Uh, lost his left front leg and so I retired him. And then uh, uh, I got a dog named CJ, uh, CJ I had on the street for a long time. Uh, he didn't retire till he was almost 12, and I started him at about, about 18 months. And uh, he found more bad guys than any other dogs. Uh, if I were to... The one thing I liked about him is energy level was high, uh, he'd search all day for me. And there was never a time when he said, I don't want to search, or I'm done searching, or I'm tired of searching. Uh, well, I could go search two, three hours, he'd be still working. Maybe not moving as fast, but he's still working. And so that part I liked about him, uh, would like to better grips on the dog. Uh, he naturally did not have great grips. I couldn't leave him on bad guys very long because he would do some serious, serious hurt. Yeah. And so I had to be careful. Uh, that's the only part I didn't like about him. He was also a good tracking dog. We did some pretty, pretty long and amazing tracks. Um, Even though he was a little bit feral, which sometimes gets in the way of tracking. Uh, But uh, he just did it. He just kind of carried me through a lot of shit. And that was a dog that kind of introduced our department also into uh, tactical dog operations. And so uh, he kind of opened the door to my department using dogs with SWAT. Outside, we'd always done perimeters and that kind of stuff. But that really opened the door to that. So...
1: You know, and you're here with Brad, who's kind of like the OG for, like, literally wrote the book for SWAT versus kids and cats and stuff. So that's kind of one of the newer, I don't know, not new, like newer, but like, especially even on the military side, because the police were doing it uh, or using it with SWAT teams before even like special operations guys were, which is kind of interesting. Um but so, how did that come about? Just like I guess at the sheriff's office where you were at, and how
2: did that program start? Initially, we had a uh, so the we have a PD as well as the SO, and uh, the PD was starting to use dogs in tactical operations, and this was back uh, in the early '90s, and uh, there was a dog handler who kind of pushed it with the PD, and I saw that as an example. Um, he was successful and uh, integrated his dog well. The very first SWAT integration class that I went to was one he had taught in uh, Doniana County down south in, in New Mexico. Um, and that was the very first SWAT, SWAT canine class that I'd ever gone to. Uh, then at the same time, there were some standards being produced um, out of Utah post with the assistance of Nebraska a gentleman by the name of Mike Kirby and uh, Mike was really involved in the SWAT stuff. He's been retired now for a while, but uh, he was really involved in the SWAT stuff and brought on the idea of SWAT dogs with their state patrol and Because it's a, a good relationship with the guys up in Utah Police Academy that some of those standards were brought in there. There was also some discussion back and forth and what people don't realize is that the Germans started this stuff at about the same time. So you'd think the Germans were at the forefront of this. No, we kind of started earlier, and then they, they started, for very different reasons, Right. they started doing some things. And so some of that information came over, and some of it went the other direction. And uh, so the late 80s, early 90s were the, was the, really the beginning of that kind of stuff and of course there's a lot of trial and error and a lot of a lot of oh shit we shouldn't do this next time kind of stuff <laughs> and uh, you know uh, I think that over the years the integration of uh, police dogs with tactical operations has gained a lot of traction There are still departments who absolutely won't do it
1: no, they're, they're, oh, those are, those yeah those are those are most of them now yeah.
2: <laughs> and uh, but I think when you start looking around at major, departments um most of them had started to do it to one degree or another and so for us it started in a very incremental fashion um with my first police dog we had a a, a call that began the process and uh, what had happened is we had a guy shoot at his wife and his daughter and then start shooting at people on a golf course and then drove up in the foothills wrecks his car um, and runs off up into the foothills. So they call me and uh, the problem with the foothills area is it's very popular for hikers. And this was uh, oh, good. in the summertime. Nice. And so I'm like, I can't do an off search and there are people all over the place. And this dog will zip the first one he finds. Um, I gotta be careful. So I started doing a tactical wind scent and it wasn't very long before my dog told me there's somebody up there. And it was very different than there's a hiker up there. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just you just know. Right, um, and the dog knew, and so I had to sit out, sit on this. I couldn't. I wasn't going to go approach this guy with well, me yeah. and and a, a substandard backup I had with me. Um, and so I get on the phone, I get on the radio, and I start. We start making a SWAT call. Out. It becomes a SWAT call out. But by the time this has happened now, most of the hikers have filtered out of the. Ah, it was getting dark hikers have filtered out of the, out of the uh, foothills and all the cars are gone from the parking area. I'm like, well, now I can go get him, mm. you know? And, uh, but now it's a SWAT call, so it's not my call. And uh, they all set up, they all go get their night vision set up on all the, the ridges around it. And they're starting to send a, a team in to, to get him. And my dog does this, tracking with his ears.
1: Uh, For those that can't see what he's doing right now, he's doing the horns and
2: the dog's ears are looking, they're scanning. (laughs) And so, as he does that, I'm like, that's my bad guy. (laughs) He's ignoring all the SWAT guys. And uh, that's my bad guy. And crap, he's out of their perimeter. So I take it upon myself now that he's outside the perimeter, and I just go get him. And we hook him up and SWAT guys, Start coming down out of the foothills after I finally go knock on the door of the command post because they had super secret channel. I did oh, that, right. and uh, so I knock on the door. and said, "I got the bad guy." He's uh, found him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what do you mean you got him? Uh, he walked out of your perimeter, and I went and got him. Oh. Okay. So now the SWAT guys come out, and half of them said, "Congratulations, good job, thanks." And the other half, "Fuck you." Yeah, I'm pissed, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so. uh, that, but that, the next thing I know is I'm starting to get called out, hey, we had a SWAT operation we've got to go do, we need you on the perimeter, okay? Um, that continued for a couple of years, and uh, an opportunity came up where they knew they had a bad guy in, inside of a house. And they, enter, they make entry, they gas the house, they make entry, can't find bad guy. And I'm like, did you look under the house? Well, best we could. And the dog goes in, starts barking at a roll of carpet. Like, here, he's in the carpet. Mm. So we end up, he, now he's all rolled up, so the dog can't do anything to him. Right. And uh, so we go down there and put the, grab this on him and pull him out. And everybody's like, that's a great use of the dog. That's cool. So the next thing I know, I'm starting to do crawl spaces and attics. And over time, it got to the point where now I'm clearing entry points. Now, you know, it just, it just slowly developed. Yeah. You know, and it, it's kind of one of those
1: things because there's, there's like this big misconception about, I think, and, and it's pervasive in the SWAT community about what, and, and in, in the law enforcement community in, as well, about what a SWAT dog is and is not. Um, and what the differences are between a well-selected SWAT dog and a well-selected patrol dog. Not to say that both, one can't do both, but um, talk about the roles, the different roles of not only the handler, but the dog versus a patrol operation versus SWAT operation?
2: Well, um, I feel like all dog handlers need to be, that are working in a tactical environment need to have some experience. They you don't just say SWAT guy have a dog.
1: Right, yes. You know, yeah. yes. that doesn't work,
2: that <laughs> never works. Right. And so you need somebody that's experienced with a dog on the street, and then you need to make sure that they have gone and take, in some form or fashion, they have some SWAT training. And it doesn't have to be that they've gone to every single thing that all the SWAT guys have to. So, like our guys, all SWAT guys are all gonna, if they can, they're all gonna be at sniper school. They're all gonna do um, preaching schools. They're all gonna do. They're all gonna be uh, um, certified in less lethal and gas as instructors. They're all gonna be firearms instructors. They're, you know, this part of the whole thing beyond the basic SWAT classes. And so, my attitude is, look, we don't need to do that. But we need to make sure that this guy has a at least a basic SWAT class under his belt, his or her belt, and then <coughs> he's experienced at catching bad guys. I don't want... The first time you catch a bad guy, it's a surprise. It shouldn't happen in a SWAT environment. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, that's, that's just... That's Eric's it, thing. It, right? Anybody that, that has done this realizes <coughs> that the first time your dog finds a bad guy, you're like, wow, <laughs> this happened, Man. you know, and you're going to do something stupid probably. Um, so. That shouldn't happen in a SWAT environment. And then they need to have taken and either been, through an experienced person who's done this before or through a class like Brad offers, the skids and catch stuff. um, They need to go through at least one of those successfully. Um, So uh, how do you define success? Well, that's based on your operational parameters, not, not anybody else's. For the jurisdiction I'm in, your dog needs to be proven. You need to be proven you need to make sure that you, that you can handle your dog in that environment and that you can do so without, having, without the dog driving the tactics. Um, it's a tool, we discuss about how it needs to be deployed, but if you say, I can't do that because this dog won't, well, then we need to talk about whether or not this dog should be there. Right. Um, so for us, we go through tactical operations with a dog, integrations with the dog, and then once we're done with that, then we start to bring the SWAT team in when we got all the skills. We don't train with the SWAT team, we deploy with the SWAT team. Now, that sounds like, whoa, oh, whoa, well, that doesn't make sense. No, no, what I'm saying is that every time from a dog perspective that we're working with the SWAT team, we are deploying, we're, we're testing, we're not training. And so when we do that, the SWAT guys just get to see our finished product. Yeah. And it's really important that that's what they see because they don't understand anything else unless no, they've been and, a dog handler. And they don't care. Right. <laughs> you know I mean, they don't. As long as you show up and your shit's dialed, they're happy. Right. And so we make sure everybody's dialed in before they go, go do this stuff. And also, you need to have a dog handler who's self-confident enough to say, this is not the thing for my dog today.
1: Yeah, that's that's not unique to, that's
2: yeah, that's for patrol too, yeah. yeah. You know, ego can't drive a deployment. And so um, that's really, really important. Yeah, that is a, so, and you know, there's like,
1: there's a misconception, in fact, I talked to somebody on the East Coast um, that, is, that is getting a dog that's dedicated for their SWAT team. And um, the guy's never handled, but he has an experienced handler that's one of their SWAT operators that is willing to take the dog on. So he's got fulfilling all his requirements. And um, he called us and he said, you know, um, I've been told that these dogs have to be this, that and the other. I was like, you do not want a fucking patrol dog. And they have some nice patrol dogs. And he was like, you're right. And he ran the canine unit because it was under special operations. And he was like, yeah, I do not want those ass eaters on the team. And he was like, I need this dog primarily as a location tool. And I don't if the dog bites somebody, it should be a surprise and you know and he was and that's primarily what he's worried what he's worried about and so talk a little bit about if there is any selection if you guys do a different
2: selection process for dedicated dogs for patrol versus swat or vice versa there can be but in my department there is not yeah um and so there's a lot of smaller departments that uh really need uh, need a dog to get out there and their primary work is tracking um and dope and yes they clear buildings and we work a lot on make really good indications, um, but they're not that super solid. I know this dog on day one, the first time he encounters somebody is, is gonna go uh, put the gravis on him and I don't have to worry about that. But that's what, over the years since I started, um, we have moved to a, we need, every single patrol dog needs to be a SWAT dog too. and so for us we are looking at some really hard charging dogs um, that are also social enough to where I can hand them off to like luggage to a SWAT guy gotcha so
1: we're gonna take a break for two seconds uh, pay some bills when we come back we're gonna talk about what that selection looks like and then talk about some of the stuff like if you're listening to this and you run a SWAT unit or you're in a SWAT unit and you used to be a handler Kind of how you should expect Or what you should expect the dog to do Within that unit that's different than being on patrol So we'll be back in a second Hey guys we got a great new
0: sponsor Man we're super excited about this I have a Box full of Challenge coins I love them everywhere we go I'm always asking people do you have challenge coins Challenge coin Um, But I don't have one Working dog radio doesn't have one Torchlight doesn't have one HRD doesn't have one So we are gonna get those. We're gonna get them made. And we're looking around, trying to figure out who we're gonna use, who we're gonna get to make these challenge coins. We partnered up with the good people at Combat Bet. That's C-O-M-B-A-T-B-E-T. And they've got several different cool styles to choose from. They got other things, too. They got some cards. They got a lot of different cool stuff. They're giving a uh, discount code for us, Working Dog Radio. Um, I can't wait. Um, We're going to get these challenge coins. And I'm telling you, if I give you one, you better have it. If I see you, I'm going to blast that thing out on the bar, and you're going to have to buy me a drink. CombatBet.com. Check them out. They have several different styles of coins. Um, We're really super proud to have them on here, man. CombatBet.com.
1: Uh, it's no secret that uh, Eric and I use a lot of equipment at either up in Ohio, Venice, or here at Torchlight. Uh, we've been using dog trip for years, both of us have, um, even before we even started the podcast. You know, One of my favorite products is a 1900S hands-free. I use it all the time, and I've uh, even got a different collar on it, so I can put it on dogs super fast. Uh, there's no messing around with it or whatever else, and I just keep the remote in my pocket, and I have the finger kick on my... On my finger or on my wrist, and uh, makes it super easy. But doctors have got several products, and not just for police dogs. You know, I was doing for hunting dogs, they've got a long history. Uh, With the hunting dog community. But uh, great products, several things for everybody from pets all the way up to working dogs. And they also have the awesome ball watcher and popper that I use the kennel. Uh, I think I've got four of those things now. And um, we've got them in box, I've got them hidden in cars, all kinds of stuff. But for uh, listeners, anytime you use the discount code WDR10, you get 10% off a single item over 200 bucks. And that's at Dogtra.com. Go hit them up, Dogtra.com
0: hey guys coming up it's coming up August August 13th through the 16th the hits conference hits is the best conference going it's the biggest it's uh, there's only a couple conferences that we back and we sponsor over here at working dog radio based on who runs it the type of material the type of training the instructors everything they get nothing shady happening hits um, I can't say enough about the guys. You've heard them on the podcast, man. They're all legit. They're handlers. Um, they're out there working every day with that dogs, with those dogs, and they're putting on this big, huge conference. They got a uh, price increase coming up, man, so don't mess around. This year it's in Chicago at McCormick Place. like It's the size of Canton, Ohio, pretty much, the entire <laughs> venue that they're going to be at. Um, check them out. Hits,
1: canine.net, don't wait. Yeah, and you know, one of the other uh, sponsors that we have that's also uh, nothing shady going on that we're super happy to have on the podcast (laughs) is Ray Allen. Uh, I think Ray Allen made equipment for um, dogs that were on the arc, they've been around for so long. Uh, their product designer, uh, you know Matt is one of our good buddies. Uh, we love that dude to death. Uh, they do a good job there. They've got that new treat pouch that Eric really likes, uh, keeps your fucking hoodies from smelling like hot dogs or for jack. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just ordered a bunch of rubber arms and we ordered a leg for Eric. Uh, that uh, is good for proofing patrol dogs, and they've got everything, not just for police dogs. They get stuff for working dogs, and they got stuff for, uh, for other working dogs like search and rescue or hunting, and then also just for pets also. They've got leashes and everything for and harnesses, just regular collars, everything you need. If you're going to go over there, make sure you use the discount code, also working dog radio spelled out. Uh, the beginning of each letter needs to be Or word needs to be capitalized You'll get uh, 10% off your first order And yeah, they have Just about everything you need Except for the dog and the patrol car So hit them up And not owned by a uh, Somebody that has pled guilty To uh, sex offender crimes So there's that
0: You guys have heard me talk And Ted talk about our relationship With Highland Canine Um We've done it on social media. You've heard it here in the commercials and things. And we do that because we believe in the Perkinsons and we believe what they got going on there. Um, They have a school for dog trainers. They got a police dog training school. Um, And and they started to realize what they were doing was everything was... um, basic training for them and they do have a lot of basic training classes they take you uh they teach you say you're a handler they're training you and then boom out you go on the road but what we see in this business is most guys don't follow up with any kind of advanced courses so highland K9, they're like you know what we're going to take care of that they have started a um advanced detection or excuse me an advanced um Canine courses, like a whole curriculum, they're rolling out. Back in April, they started with an advanced detection course. Um, they're going to go into advanced skills for every aspect of police canine training. Uh, be sure to check it out. Look for upcoming classes. Tactical Police Canine Training.com. That's the letter K, the number nine. Tactical Police Canine Training.com.
1: Harmony, North Carolina. Check them out. So everybody knows that we uh, love the guys at Southern Coast, Bill and Peggy Heiser, and of course, Danny, but they've also got a second company called Coast to Coast Canine, which handles uh, detection services, and they are looking for... Two full-time and one part-time explosive handler. So be sure to hit them up and email Peggy Heiser. So you're going to do P Heiser, H-E-I-S-E-R, at C, the letter 2, C, the letter K, the number 9.com. That's c to ck 9com Shoot her your resume and apply for the jobs for a full-time explosive handler. There's two of those. And then uh, a single part-time handler, uh, explosive handler, at C2CK9.com. Peggy Heiser or go ahead I'm up
0: so I got a uh, bomb dog in my uh, kennel right now um, imprinting her on the seven odors that we use over here in Ohio none of those odors are the HMEs like TATP um, urea nitrate and some of the other ones we um, are afraid of that shit and I'm not touching it I'm not messing with it But I do want my dogs to to find it. So, looking around, you know, my guys go through some training with the FBI like once a year. It's pretty hard to stay proficient on that stuff. And I'm not messing with that stuff for real. So, what do we do? True scent. True scent is a, um, it's not a pseudo odor, it's a simulant. It is real odor suspended in silica. Now, listen, they have everything, they have all the explosive odors you want. Um, but I specifically look for the the HME kits, they got several of them. Um, check them out. Uh, it's it's real explosive odor. Um, it's good stuff, man. We really like them. You heard Ellie, their chemist, on our um, podcast. We made a whole t shirt based on that podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good type of stuff. TrueScentK9.com. Um, when you get there and plug it in, they do give us a discount code, which is WDR, all capitalized, WDR15. That's
1: WDR15 for 15% off training aids. Get on it. Yep. So working dogs, whether they be police dogs or hunting dogs or search and rescue, whatever, have a fantastic talent of managing to hurt themselves in magnificent and magical ways um if i could count the ways that my fucking dogs have managed to hurt themselves it would fill up an entire podcast episode not everything is going to require a vet visit i'm not suggesting that you don't take the dog to the vet but stuff that's normal like hot spots Pad injuries, happy tail stuff—that's just kind of annoying—can uh, turn into serious issues. The guys at VetCare have produced a, stu- a product called Quick Derm that is absolutely fantastic. Eric actually has a guy that's close to him that runs a fairly large boarding kennel uh, that had a dog come in that had hot spots already when he got there, and you know you didn't want to be blamed for hot spots, so uh, he actually ordered some of the stuff and cleared it up in—I mean, a couple of days. I actually had some pretty gnarly burns from uh, dealing with the dogs at the HRD seminars, uh, from doing some of the muzzle work, and I was able to clear up something on my arm <laughs> in about seven days, and it didn't tear up my tattoo, which is kind of nice. So so if you go over to vetcare.us, it's going to be 10WDR, and you'll get 10% off your first order. And we've heard some rumors that they were upgrading people in sizes when you use the discount code. So head over and put it in your uh, put it in the patrol car, and you'll be good to go. Hey, we are back, Uh, HITS 2019 Chicago, uh, McCormick Place, uh, talking SWAT dogs and uh, yeah, with Kevin from Albuquerque. So before we left, we were talking about um, kind of, you said, you know, if the dog is going to be patrol, he's going to be also be good for SWAT, so the selection process. And you mentioned something super important um, that I, that Eric and I both try and do for all the dogs is something that's social. Um, I don't know that that's probably the best term to use because people think that that means the dogs need to be able to be petted and everything else. And I, I just call it indifference, like they're just kind of indifferent to everything around. But when you guys start looking at selection process, what uh, are you looking at for
2: um, patrol and for SWAT guys, dogs? Well, of course, like I said, it's the same for for the department that I that I worked for um, and still work for. Uh, for us, it's exactly the same thing. And so you know you're right you're, the social to a novice means lap dog. right buddies and uh, you know lick your face that kind of thing right um, I'm just looking for a dog who can tolerate all the pressures of being uh, being stepped on who can tolerate the pressures of having people on them can tolerate the pressures of loud noises and crashes and crazy environments and smoke and gas um, and so we don't really have a t- uh, there's no real test for that you, really can't right. go test that. And so the big picture becomes one of, not only looking at whether or not the dog can work in a muzzle, that's a big part for me because probably 80% of what I do is in a muzzle. Um, so I want to see a dog who immediately tolerates a muzzle. He may not have ever really worked in one, right. but he, they have to tolerate it. The dog that puts a muzzle on, rolls on his back and, spit and puts four paws on the muzzle, probably not gonna work for me. Um, and so from there, I start looking at, you know, I don't want a dog who's overtly aggressive to either animals or human beings. So I don't look for a dog as a lap dog, but I look for a dog who doesn't come in here and start having to, having to, uh, mad dog, everybody doesn't in the room. seek out attention. You know, he's yeah. not looking at it and stiffening up in front of people in a room and bring him into a place where there's a little bit of a crowd. Uh, we can look at that and say, that one's, yeah, it's going to be a <laughs> can pick a fight with everybody. <laughs> and so, uh, that's, that's part of the, what I do, is I just look at the big social capabilities. Um, I love to get dogs whenever I can, and I'm looking for this type of dog. I want a dog raised in a family. And it's hard to find. It's, you know, most of the dogs coming over from Europe anymore are are kennel dogs. Right. You know, lots of breeding station animals coming over. Yeah. And they're a pain in my ass. <laughs> um, because I need socialized dogs. So the last dog, right now, it's getting X, another set of X-rays. Uh, at home, the last dog got for the department. Um, I've had conversations with the uh, people who owned the dog. Uh, It was raised, stayed at night in a kennel outdoors, but was in the house frequently with an eight-month-old and an 11-year-old. And uh, that the family did dog sports, it's just too active of a dog for them for dog sports right now. They said, look, we really like the dog, he's a super nice dog, but way too active and uh, Training is a little difficult for, for any kind of decent sports, and uh, he, the dog can't stop moving, basically. Um, so I said, well, it's fine for me. I don't, I don't right. really care. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I was able to talk to them, brought the dog over, and sure enough, um, medium-sized, well-built dog, just like she described it. Uh, super, super active you tell the dog a little sharp. <laughs> you know, I got him out. I got him out of the crate and his ears went <laughs> eep, twisted back. And I went, I'm, I'm going to be polite. <laughs> yeah. you know, we'll, we'll be friends at some point. And, uh, so I also look for a little sharpness because without a little sharpness, we're kind of dead in the water, but it can't be sharpness that folds over into that. I'm just going to go bite whoever I want to bite whenever I want to bite. Him. Right. And so, uh, um, uh, Did some testing right away. I like dogs with crazy play drive. I don't care if it's just a straight patrol dog. Training is so much easier with a dog with with lots of prey and play. And so I look for prey and play coming out their ears, uh, even if I'm not gonna do detection with them. Uh, So uh, it makes tracking training a lot easier. Yeah. Um, It just is, makes life. Prey drive makes dogs really durable. Play drive makes dogs enjoyable. And so I like lots of that. And so we did a little testing, put him in a muzzle. Um, no problems with the muzzle, as long as he's not playing with it. Um, so uh, did some testing, like what I saw. Uh, part of the testing I do, I, I learned from a gentleman by the name of Don Urinelle. Um And the very first testing I do is a stakeout test. Ah, uh, yeah. And uh, the stakeout test is not a training test. I'm not trying to help the dog. I'm not trying to make the dog better. I don't want to break the dog because it's not mine. Uh, But I work my way in slowly, a little bit, very small angles. And when I see the chink in the dog's armor come up, and all of them have it, um, I keep pressing and see where they go with it. And so I'm looking for the dog that, he doesn't even have to bark at me. I'm looking for the dog that stands his ground and goes, you're acting strange, dude. This is wrong. and I'm either gonna bite you or I'm gonna stand here until you do something that makes me wanna bite you. And uh, I'm not going to be worried about you. I'm not gonna slide into survival mode and I'm not gonna try to sift myself through the fence that's behind me. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know? no moving backwards. Yeah. yeah. Or acting like you don't see me. Yeah, or, <laughs> okay. or walking over the fence and pissing on the fence because maybe that'll make me go away. Yeah. You know, okay. that's sort of like, I don't wanna see a bunch of avoidance behaviors that come up. Uh, and so that's my first test and frankly, most of the time, when I'm done with it, I know if I want them or not. And so, I, but I move on, I do some more tests, make sure the dog will do the work in a muzzle, um, make sure that uh, the dog's desire to hunt for a toy is good and the dog's desire to hunt for a man is good. And so I just go through some tests depending on where I'm at and who I'm at. I have a very long formal testing procedure that I almost never use Right. Um, because First, your vendors in Europe start to learn you, yeah. yeah. And, the, um, and, and the thing that most people have to realize is the vendors in Europe probably know more about dogs than you do. Yep. And especially what they have. Yeah. And so um, they'll do everything they can to manipulate that. And so if you change what you do and how you what tests you run every single time you show up, it puts them off off their guard. And so I never do the same test twice. I'm looking at the same things over and over again, but I don't do the exact same test twice. Uh, so. Uh, once I'm done with that, I'm, I'm usually right. Of course, then we got to go look at health. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that's that's a given. Yeah, yeah. that's I think it's failing a lot. Yeah, there's yeah. breeding is happening at a, at an accelerated rate um, for these working dogs, and when you do that, you will always have health problems. Yeah. Okay. So we'll get
0: into uh, the reason why we're here at this conference for you guys, and it was uh, kids and cats. But so back when you went through your first. School or class about handling a dog. I mean, things change, things evolve. The way we deploy the dog has probably evolved over time, but what still holds true
2: now from back then, as far as the canine and the tactical st- environment. Ooh, if you don't have good obedience on your dog, don't be there. Yeah, that really is the thing that's the same. And I think a lot of people don't understand what good obedience is. Um, They think because they can go out on the field with a toy. The certification and and obedience. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. and and, and march around the field in a static environment, um, that that's obedience. Uh, Obedience is when you can can work calmly, quietly in any environment, and the dog will follow what you're asking them to do. Um, And that's a different kind of obedience than what we get out of the dogs that come out of sport, for the most part maybe French French sports a little different. Um, those dogs are pretty well squished. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so if anything, sometimes I have to loosen those guys up a little bit. My, uh,
1: my partner says that it's the difference between precision and control. Yeah. And you know, dog sports are very precise, uh, because it's being judged and what we do with the patrol dogs (laughs) and the SWAT dogs is more about control more than anything else. Yeah.
2: If you could, you gotta be able to move with the dog. Um, and you gotta make sure that your dog doesn't become a liability. That's the biggest thing, is that the dog does not become a liability. And so if your dog you're yelling and screaming at your dog, and your dog's lunging at the end of the leash, uh he's a pain. Hmm. Nobody wants to work with you. Nobody wants to work around you. And so that's probably the thing that stayed the same. Um, and that's just I think that's just the comfort level of all the SWAT operators. I mean, it doesn't. It, it that has never changed. They don't want people messing with what they do, right? You know, and uh, when you start taking somebody off their shooting platform in a tactical operation, uh, you pretty much get some pretty, pretty nasty comments in in the, in the, the, you know, the hot wash afterwards. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, the
0: oh, we'll move on to the. Uh the uh, job so to speak that we're doing here with skids and cats i, I listened to uh, brad on the police canine radio with those guys out in california it was a it was a pretty good interview um a lot of guys and i'm all over this country have been through his through his program for those who don't know the skids is if i got this right is a is the swat canine class the cats is more of a patrol tactical kind of
2: is well it
0: generalizing it too much maybe
2: yeah skids is we're putting we when we're training with a skids class, we have a bunch of SWAT guys with their SWAT dogs and we're putting them into scenarios mm-hmm. and, uh, and helping them work through those things. With cats, we're taking people that and, and teaching them the, the, some skills that they can apply in the, in the skids class. Wow. So in a perfect world, you would go to a cat's class as a dog handler and then you would then your, then your SWAT team, <coughs> with you included, would go to a skids class. Often I have to combine that stuff because the departments just ain't, right. They just ain't forking up the money in right. time. Yeah, you know. And of course, you know, like an administrator once told me, he says, I, "Even if it's free, it costs me money." Yeah, yeah. you know, because <laughs> yep. people got yeah. overtime to cover and everything else. Yes. So, um, so that's that's really the difference between kids and cats. How uh, how long you've been doing that with them? I don't know, a dozen years. Yeah, a while. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I first. Yeah. So I first met Brad um, at Utah Post, and uh, we were doing, at that time, Utah Post was doing certifications for tactical dogs, and they still do. And, uh, but they do them like a smorgasbord kind of thing. You, you just pick this skill, this skill, this skill, this skill, and not a big global thing. Right. And so uh, that's where I met Brad. He had uh, started, he, he was still working for West Covina at the time. And he had uh, um, just started his class. They hadn't really left California. And then uh, I invited him to come come do some stuff out of my place. It really wasn't an official skids class at that point in time. Um, and uh, he really hadn't expanded out of California at that point in time. So uh, he came out to my place. We, we did that on a couple of different occasions. Uh, I have some pretty good facilities to to do some of this stuff um and on one occasion we did it up at the uh uh state penitentiary the old state penitentiary in santa fe wow. um and if you guys have seen the long the remake of the longest yard that was done there yeah oh, okay and yeah. so uh it's a great facility it was cold it was like january I didn't realize my instructors were all from California. They didn't the most <laughs> right, yeah. We're up at eight thousand feet. <laughs> they didn't realize that, like it's yeah. that cold in the United States. <laughs>
1: Where the fuck am
2: I? The, the fucking moon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, but, and that's how I kind of got started with with Brad, and then uh, I made sure that I did all kinds of stuff. So I didn't just do skids and cats and skids with with, with all of my guys and my my dogs. I did everyone I could get get to. Uh, so we did Utah posts. We did uh, um, Brad stuff. I, I produced some stuff on my own or, or locally uh, that all my guys did, and uh, we had uh, one of the guys from a couple of the guys from APD who have done a lot of this. The Albuquerque Police Department's been deploying dogs and SWAT capability all the time, probably more than most people realize. That I don't know that they that they work their dogs. In some pretty rough situations, pretty frequently. Um, I don't know if you know much about the Albuquerque metro area, but like we're like number one in violent crime, we're number two. Every yeah, it,
1: it's gangster down there for yeah. sure. <laughs> so
2: there's there's work to be had. Yeah. They're... And uh, so uh, the 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 PD guys were had done a lot. So I used them quite a bit when we were teaching, and uh, um, they they were good good troops. So. Uh, That's kind of how we adjusted it locally because i like guys to get as much exposure to as many ideas as they can. Mm. And then we distill those off into our policies. Yeah, APD
0: SWAT had, uh, if I remember right, had a guy on there for years, a sniper, that shot a bunch of people with a sniper rifle. And for police, that's almost unheard of, like very rare. And this dude's put crosshairs and pulled triggers on a bunch of people. (laughs) I think he's got one, I think he was the one that, is on video a guy holding a baby like over a bridge and back and over a bridge and back and he pulls up in like 36 seconds ends the whole thing <laughs> just pulls up puts his rifle on the hood bonk done baby falls pick it up good to go yep that
2: was a yeah. pretty good one i was working that night
1: oh <laughs> well, yeah so uh for those guys listening that are you know because we occasionally i'll get because uh, eric you're doing a class up in Ohio in what, October? Yeah, October
0: 14th through the 16th, we're going to do a SWAT canine integration. At Alliance is the department that I have a commission through now. After Since I've retired, I'm doing air quotes, retired. Um, they have a bringing some guys from the D.C. metro area that, that uh, run a full-time SWAT dog. They're coming up. Because um, the Alliance got a live fire shoot house. They got, they're, I mean, it's like 45-man department, and they have like a $3 million range facility. And so alliancepolicetraining.com, it's all on there. Um, I'm not teaching it. I was in, I handled four dogs, all four, I was on SWAT at the same time. But my SWAT game is, I left SWAT in 12, 2012, after 14 years on the team. So my SWAT game is old. So I'm like, I'm bringing other people in to to teach it. I'm not gonna do it myself. (laughs) Yeah, Aaron's gonna be there. Yep, and a few of his guys, and it, it should be pretty interesting. So do you, do you get like kind of at the kids class, a hodgepodge of different agencies, or you try to get like one whole team and their dogs to,
2: or is it kind of both? Whatever. So a lot of times what happens is um, to be able to afford it, they want to bring in people that are paying for it. Mm-hmm. And so there'll be a group of different departments. Other times uh, brad brattle contract to just do like one department with their dogs, with their team or mm-hmm. teams um it sort of depends on what the department needs and wants and what they can work out with uh with with brad on uh fulfilling their needs yeah this can be kind of adjusted um so i know that he's got a couple coming up uh i don't remember the schedule was posted on his uh, on his website the uh you've got a couple coming up that are just closed door Right. You know, departments said we want you. We need you for three days. All we're going to do is with our team. Our team and our dogs. And yeah. And I will tell you, there's some real advantages to that. I think when you first get started, it's a good idea to go and go to a cats type thing, so the handler is starting to get prepared and start to understand the environment, um, and then move on to a skids type of a class. Even if it's with a group, multiple departments, it sometimes that's good because you can get some downtime. You go watch somebody else work. And that's always a very beneficial thing but then it should culminate whether it's at home and with your own people just close the doors get it get it get your things together and uh maybe find have senior handlers and senior swat guys being pretty much the uh uh, the observers and commentators on everything and bring them in and just work for two or three days on putting this this together and that's what we do at home i just got got done last month um, with all, of, we have a couple of new dog handlers. Uh, when I say new, that means less than two years. Um, <laughs> and uh, so um, I wanted to get, we, they, we'd put them through some cats type stuff, some skid stuff, and now it's time to culminate. Um, I had a, another friend of mine, a friend of Brad's named Romeo Ingresso from Los mm-hmm. Angeles Sheriff's Department. Oh, yeah. I brought him over for just a closed door class with my guys and my, my SWAT guys.
1: We need to get him on here. Yeah. He'd be a good, he'd be a good interview too. But yeah, I, uh, yeah, that, I saw the pictures. Of so that. do you, do you leave Albuquerque and go
2: travel around and do some of these classes? Do you do all of them with him or? Oh, I do a few. He's got a cadre of instructors. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, kind of the way it seems to work is if it's near me, I'm going, no. if it's, uh, or if it's near a, a group of people that I work with. Um, right. And if I have time, um, I don't have as much time as I used to. Uh, I, I'm busy doing other things too. You're you know. retired now though. Yeah. And I, <laughs> you know, what I didn't learn during my retire before I retired uh-huh. was the word no. Yeah. Right. it's right. <laughs> a problem.
0: It's yeah, a problem. Man. So at those classes, what's your specialty?
2: I do a lot of the tracking stuff. Yeah. Tra- um, I, I had a pretty good, successful uh, career doing tracking, and so when he needs somebody that uh, comes in and says, "All right, we, we want our team to learn formations, and we want to want to work on tracking," uh, uh, we'll do that. Mm. That's usually what I end up doing. But I also do some of the other stuff. You know, we'll we'll do scenarios based on uh, where we're teaching them attic insertions and that kind of stuff, um, team movement through buildings. We'll do whatever you whatever we need to do. Yeah. How How many days is a typical class? Um, usually three, three, but sometimes they're longer. Sometimes they're shorter. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of reps. Like you could get, especially, especially if it's just the team there for mm-hmm. a closed session. Yes. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. if you're
0: busting off from from building searches to tracking and things, there's there's a lot of information. There's a lot <laughs> yeah, to do.
2: There's a, yeah, and yeah. We, we do we do rotation, and um, there'll be a cadre of instructors, and uh, and we'll have predetermined times, and we'll look at it and all right this is how much time we have at this station we and so one thing that often happens if we have a bunch of departments is we say all right guys this one's gonna be this dog this one's gonna be this dog this one's gonna be this dog because we only have enough time to run one dog through this and then your job is to take this information you get and take it home so we'll have to occasionally do it that way instead mm-hmm. of running everybody's dog i know everybody wants to run their dog you know right yeah. but sometimes you know, the information is more important than the repetition at times um, you can go home and get repetitions
0: yeah. Do, do you have a block for SWAT admins at all?
2: Um, so usually that comes under the legal stuff. And uh, often uh, uh, Brad brings in Gene Ramirez is talking here at this mm. Yeah, we're going to interview him too. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and he comes in and really a lot of what that is is um, not only just the legal stuff, but that, that hinges on operations. Um, and so a lot of that comes that way. Uh, so it's not just like a SWAT canine admin class, uh, but it comes in a kind of legal block.
0: Cool. Yeah. So one one question i like to ask guys that were in dogs for a long time. We we know East coast and we talked to some folks on the West coast, but in the Southwest part, what did nine 11 do to canine in Albuquerque Metro area?
2: Whoa, that's an interesting question. I started handling bomb dogs. How's that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what everybody says. They're <laughs> like,
0: bomb dogs? Everyone of a sudden, everybody wanted a bomb yeah, dog. We talked to a lot of vendors. They're like, of course, the phones, you know, ring off the hook. But we don't get to talk to too many handlers. Some say nothing. Like, nothing happened. We did nothing. I'm like,
2: Well, Whoa. so I was, in, I was in Germany for 9-11. I got stuck there for eight extra days. Oh, yeah. So I was at a gentleman by the name of Bernard Flink's house. And his wife came out and got us just in time for us to watch the second plane going to the towers and so I got on the phone United was like uh, we're not flying anything anywhere and I said well when are you actually booking out to uh, a week and I said make it eight days and put me on a flight change my flight I did that immediately because so I knew that they to yeah. shut everything down of course and so uh, so I stayed there for a little while but after that I came back and what was going on locally was the uh, was the International Balloon Fiesta uh, oh yeah, Santa Fe. Yeah. Okay, and so that was always a very customer-oriented, group friendly kind of an environment. Yeah. And when I got back, it was the last last couple of days of it, and uh, the uh, excuse me, we're sitting outside at a pond, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the uh, I go to my station, which was always the pilot entrance. You know, senior guys get the good one. Yeah, things. Of course. And yeah. And so uh, I show up, and my partner's always there slinging an AR. Directing traffic with an AR. Ah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Everybody was yeah. slinging AR, So we are like, yeah. you, you, you either sling a shotgun or an AR. We're going to make sure that people understand that, that we're taking this seriously. Controlling this event is going to be serious. And we're like, well, that's okay. a change. Okay. That's an <laughs> absolute change. Then the next year we kind of, eased off of it, it yeah. a little bit. Uh, but I think what happened then after that, when it came to the dog stuff is now we were, we were doing bomb dogs. Um, after that, uh, the PD got a couple of bomb dogs. I ran a bomb dog. Uh, my partner ran a bomb dog. And, uh, so we got new dogs. They, they immediately went into doing the bomb stuff as a, cause all our dogs are dual purpose dogs. And, uh, we also started changed our education, and it's more than just dog stuff. So we started going to um, first responders to terrorist events and terrorist bombings, and it's right. Um, the school's right there. Yeah, <laughs> and so we hit all the ones that are out of out of Socorro. Yeah, uh, sent sent there down sent down to La Plata to do a bunch bunch of stuff. So what ended up really happening on the dog thing is that the tactical stuff, excuse me, it's tactical stuff, started to come up with more more diverse types of, uh, education. We got included in that stuff. Uh, for the first time, you know, when after nine 11, uh, an awareness came up that we needed to be more prepared. And so things, the things that really changed to me were all of a sudden now, instead of getting SWAT cast down, um, tactical gear, I got my own. Oh, no and more hand-me-downs. Yeah. Mm. and I mean, that's a huge thing. If you're, if you're not in law enforcement, you don't get it. Yeah. Th- this is a huge thing. You, you know, you're either swat or you're not. And, yeah. Um, so for them to start step up to the plate and start taking care of us, that was a, another change. And I really believe that it was indirectly related to, to 9-11, but it also was part about the fact that we started getting much more training. We realized that if something happened locally, that it was the dog guys and the tack guys who were going to take care of the problem. There was mm. nobody else to call. Right. And so they started to offer a lot more education for everybody in the what we called their Special Operations Bureau. Um, that was probably the biggest thing, and that did impact dog stuff, but not absolutely directly. Uh, nobody came to us and said, uh, "We need you to have a SWAT dog that's anti-terrorist." That. <laughs> yeah. Right. right? Um, I said, "Well, if there's a terrorist and my dog's hunting for him, is that anti? All I don't right. know. I'm against <laughs> him. That counts." <laughs> so but you know it's one of those kinds of things where yes the law enforcement environment changed and everybody sort of had to step up to the plate with some preparedness. I see that's kind of starting to taper off again and budgets are going to get tight um again and what's the first thing that happens? Oh, don't train. Don't send Yeah. No. Yeah. That is the very first thing. That's when I start getting phone calls, you know, can you cut the length of your school down by 2 weeks? Yeah, no not really (laughs) um i can't i've already got it compact as i I possibly can and i run your guys ragged yeah um so i don't know where i can cut anymore oh well we might have to find somebody that will and i said uh you're gonna okay i mean
1: sorry yeah that's that's a
2: they're they're trying man you know
0: my first couple schools as a handler and then as a trainer were 14 week schools that's Those are over. Yes. Nobody. And I fought it and fought it and fought it It, to stay relevant though, because I, my full-time position at the police department was just dogs. Um, the last several years I was there. So, and I was doing four or five classes a year, four uh, classes a year, but I had to pre-train all the dogs. They started there because the smaller agencies, they, they didn't want to do it. I, I can't stand the five and six week handler schools.
2: I can't stand it. Well, I run six week schools, six days a week. And, uh, I can't, I tried to extend it out to seven and I just, nobody shows up. Yeah. And so I, I'm kind of stuck. I really, I, these guys have to work their butts off and I feel bad. And the dogs, the dogs are running around too. Fuck. I bet that's miserable in the summertime yeah. down there. Well, I don't do summertime. Oh, okay. Yeah. I do, I do a spring class say, and shit. I do a fall class. Um, and so usually I have about 15 or 16 people in the class. And uh, of those, I usually have to obtain eight or 10 dogs. Uh, from, for the class. Some were reached treads, some came from other sources. But, uh, usually, there's some, we end up with some dogs that's like, we've just wore that poor bugger out. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, yeah, you know yeah. And the handler's, the handler's not any better. Um, you know, so,
1: They can't wait to go back to to work.
2: (laughs) Well, the thing that's kind of interesting, though, is all their peers think they're out for a damn vacation. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I tell them, I tell their bosses, I said, I'm going to run your guy ragged. And I flat out tell them, don't send me some lazy, (laughs) fat slob who hasn't jogged in 20 years. Oh, God. Don't do that to me because you're going to, the person's going to break.
0: Yeah. Six days a week. I mean, you got to pump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's gotta happen. I, I can't, i one of my moves I'll, and I was a little secret for the, if my old admins are listening, um, what they would do is they would tell me, listen, we really don't want him uh, in the class for 14 weeks. And I'll go, I'll tell you what, I will do everything I can to get him done in like 12. Cause it was always green dog, green handler, like yes. always green dog, green handler. So, um, I'll try to get him done in 12 weeks, 10, if I can really push it, Then what I do, they forget that he's there. After a while, their schedule's adjusted, everything's fine, they kind of forget he's there. Next thing you know, it's coming up on 12 weeks and we're still going, and what I'll tell uh, the admins, I'll go, well, the state, I set up the test date, where I put in in some dates, and this is the one the state says I can use. It's two weeks from now, so I'm just gonna keep him out to 14 weeks. Meanwhile, what they didn't know is I actually picked the date. I, I just I just submit a thing and they, and they but it worked every time. Here's we're but coming they didn't. Once they
1: can't they can't think past three months in that they're
0: they're gone. Yeah. They forgot they're there. Yeah. They're like shit. I forgot. We didn't even forgot we had a dog. Where is
1: he? Who is this guy?
2: <laughs> you you want to become a good trainer? Green dog, green handler. Yeah. Do those things. Well, one of the oh. big things that makes my class work is I I always make sure I'm getting. Dogs out of uh, sport clubs that have a considerable amount of dog training. Yeah. And, yeah. and so the dogs already know obedience. They already usually, if, if they came out of an IPO thing, they have some foundations and tracking sure. of one sort mm-hmm. or another. Um, they, God, that they, speeds the process up. Yeah, <laughs> and otherwise, I can't can do it. Yeah, I got yeah. two
0: Mondo Ring dogs.
1: And uh, put them with departments, and uh, it was so nice. The fastest we yeah. ever finished a dog was one of those dogs that we sent to Ferguson. And uh, it took somebody three times to get an IPO1 on him, and I found out why, because he kept trying to eat the judge during tracking. Terrible dog <laughs> first sport, but he was a fucking badass patrol <laughs> dog. And he went through the Ferguson riots, and yeah. It so, bit a million people. Yeah, one well, not, million not quite people, that many. Right. He was an asshole. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and that was the fastest we ever finished a dog. I did that dog's odor in like four weeks. Yeah, it's, and, I, I mean, hate it, but yeah, he
2: was, that's where we're at now. Yeah, that you dog know what was I mean? Cancer. Well, and so, but the problem now we have is then we're, we're scouring those uh, uh, ever-shrinking sport dog organizations. Because in Europe, they're shrinking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the new generation of kids would rather w- rather play with a computer than play with a dog. And so there's these dedicated people that over the years, you know, came home from work and went to went to their dog club for a couple of hours every night or several nights a week and half a day on Saturday. Um, those numbers are shrinking and that means a shrinking population of dogs that are extremely well socialized, extremely well-trained, uh, from police standards, not you know, yeah. even, even a shitty Schutzen dog. If it can do this, if it can pass the thing is a really well-trained dog compared to most, most, uh, oh, yeah. most police dogs. Yeah. And so, being able to get those dogs is getting harder and harder and harder. Well, that's the
0: thing. If you go to Europe and you go to the Schutzen Club or or a KNPV Club or something, and you're there, you look on the other side of the field, and there's maybe John Brannan, or there's a Chinese dude, a couple Chinese guys, dude's and from some Australia, South African dudes, South Africans, Australians. Um, yeah. You're you're. It's we We're, forget that we are just a small cog in the dog buying business. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Uh, the uh, and yeah, they pay more be, than we do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the Chinese yeah. will just throw some
2: dough. Well, yeah. most of those countries, the dogs go straight from from where, where they buy them. They go into the into a state or federal facility where they have people. Most of the dogs here end up coming from there, from a broker there to a broker vendor trainer here, then onto those. So they can pay higher prices. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's tough, it's, it's tough. I've gotten more and more dogs here in the U.S. Uh, I've bought several dogs from my own sport dog club. Oh, that's cool. And uh, everyone every, in my sport dog club also knows that if they got a dog who's maybe not gonna do what they want in the, in the sport work, but is a strong dog, they should keep it until it's about 18 months and x-ray it and sell it to Kevin. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I, one of my
1: buddies goes over there all the time, they go to the clubs, And they walk out and they're like, whose dog does everybody hate? And they all point at one dude. And they're like, this is the dog. Everybody fucking hates this guy's dog because it's a dog's an asshole. It maybe have a little bit of a problem outing, but it's well socialized. It was raised in a home, but it's probably not going to be the best at what they're. And he's like, oh God, thank you. I thought nobody would ever buy this dog. And we're like, fuck, he only asked out a couple times a year. Send him over. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. So where can we find you? Where can people find you? Well, you can find me on uh, at my website. Uh, I have a website which is www k-9 services.com um, now, again how the fuck these guys get these websites how'd you get that You just I've been at it for a while
0: <laughs>
2: also—or he bought just, it from Al Gore <laughs> <But> I, uh, <laughs> uh, the, uh, so you can also uh, um, look up New Mexico police dogs uh, Wisconsin police dogs it'll all get you the same place Cool. yeah it's like I'm you smart. look up bombdog.com it goes to his website because yeah. he owns that we
1: own bombdog.com and policedog.com yeah, yeah that was we bought that from Al Gore also so
2: <laughs>
1: at, back uh, in the day right. when the internet
2: was around yeah. but, uh, Kevin, although I couldn't find kevinsheldahl.com really there's another Kevin Sheldahl in California that has it and he's a he's a minister oh, oh that's interesting yeah interesting, and he's not related to me
1: <laughs> well this has been fucking fantastic I've been wanting to do this this episode for quite a while Eric has too so oh, yeah. we super appreciate it man Thank appreciate. you. It was yeah. fun. This is one we definitely had to do in person. It's better yeah. than on the phone. So. Yeah, without a doubt. So uh, I, I don't remember who we got coming up next, but we'll be back in a little bit. We'll talk to you guys in a second. You got your reasons. I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to.